0: Welcome to an episode of ARG Presents that's operating at 300 baud. I am Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who allegedly operates at 56k, but we all know that's a lie. I give you the Brent. I'm a solid 28.8. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Remember, the reason I mentioned that, you remember that when the 56k modems came out, everybody was real excited? Yeah. And then when you got them home... They weren't running nowhere near the 56K. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that number was a, uh, a bold face Infl- lie. inflated pipe dream. Yeah. So, in, in case you're wondering, while we're talking about 56K motors, we spun the wheel last week at the very end of the uh, 10-hour. Thanks for marathon, Brent. Tell us, us what, tell us what we come up with there, bud. We what? decided that we are going to be looking at, or the wheel decided, really, yeah. uh, BBS games. That's right. BBS door games. Now... Uh I am old school as you know and I re- remember distinctly uh stumbling upon board games in a local BBS back in the day. Uh, do you recall re- the, the, when you were first exposed? I know I'm sure I exposed you to. them Do you remember the bo- uh uh anything about your first experience of being able to play these things online?
1: Um no. Uh <laughs> I remember I certainly remember playing them. Uh there are a few that stick out in my mind. Uh, uh, oddly enough, one we're not really going to cover in depth today, Drug Wars was probably my top played uh, door game <clears throat> back in the day, just because it was preteen or barely teen. No, it was preteen me, and Drug Wars was a was risque. Uh, yeah. And there were tons <clears throat> of things I didn't even understand at the time, but uh, uh, I felt rebellious playing it, so that that pushed me along. Yeah.
0: I, uh, that one's one I, d- I didn't play that much, to be honest with you. But you're right. <clears throat> when you played some of these, they did give you the feeling that you were uh, uh, stepping into a, a forbidden world yeah. to play some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's sort of BBS is on the whole in a lot of ways. Absolutely. You know, you've got you've got to cut that feeling. Now, uh, I was first exposed to, BB- or to uh, door games on a BBS, I believe it was 21st century BBS out of Dunbar, West Virginia. I think it was the first place I saw door games. And uh, uh, they were very, you know, this was, I'm guessing, I've been pondering the timeline on this because we got the Coco, I believe, in 82, I believe, or somewhere in that ballpark. Sounds about right. So this would have been right about that time. It would have been the early 80s. And uh, it's funny that the game I'm going to talk about today was already sort of there. Uh, But the first game I played on there, I believe, was a wrestling game or something. It was something real goofy. Oh, it was a gambling game. Now think about it. Uh, That BBS (laughs) door games. Let's try to explain what these are to people. Um, We should probably explain more than that. So, what is a BBS? A bulletin board system. This is when you would take your your home computer and a modem. You would hook the modem into the phone line, or you would set your if you had an acoustic modem, the phone would set on the modem. And then you would have your uh, computer or do it yourself. You'd have to dial the number to a, another computer, the phone number, that would be waiting to receive the signal uh, that your computer was there. And they would have a handshake. They would make these hideous noises.
1: <gasps> Beautiful and, <coughs> noises. And then they would,
0: they would, they would uh, join forces, and you would be connected to someone else's computer. And at that point, a menu will come up where you would log on, sort of like logging on to a message base or something now. And you would log, put your name and your password in and then you would be have access to a a series of menu choices that would allow you to do things like send electronic mail. Uh, you could also, uh, uh, there was a, usually a message board there or, or a series of message areas where you could chat with other users. Not in real time, mind you, but it, uh, just like a message board is now you know, uh, on, on the Internet. It, they would come back later. A Reddit-type
1: thing where you can <clears> post something, and right. if you said they'd refresh... It'll pop up, so you can kind of have a delayed conversation. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, and
0: uh, they, you can also download files. Now, downloading files was not a huge thing early on due to the ludicrously low speeds. Uh, when I first logged on to the internet, uh, we, were, we were running, in. The, uh, I had a Color Computer 2. I was using a modem IB, which is a 300 baud modem. Now, the advantage of the modem IB was it was not an acoustic modem, so the computer could actually... Uh, uh, the computer didn't have to have the, the handset of the phone. It didn't have to be on the right. acoustic coupler, uh, and then you would you would dial the number, flip the switch, it would, uh, and you were good to go. Uh, later on, modems got to the point where they, you could just hook a phone line into them, and they would dial, and and they could. You know, do raw, it was a lot easier. Absolutely. Um, so, amongst the things you could do w- with files, we would download mostly text. I downloaded a lot of text, some smaller <coughs> pictures, ANSI <Easy> uh, art, <laughs> the uh, the downloads. Are uh, were incredibly slow, so you had to keep the things incredibly small unless you had a lot of patience. Most BBSs weren't going to let you tie up their phone line for two or three hours downloading a couple pictures, uh, they, so they wouldn't put that sort of thing up. Now, eventually speeds increased, and the, the big speed was to the jump from 300 to 2400 baud. Now, the increments of, of speed on a modem were... Uh, they weren't always, as I speak, I didn't go, some people didn't go for 300 to 2,400 baud. There were 1,200 baud modems yeah. in there. <clears throat> and so some people would go to those. There were even 150 baud modems uh, early on. 150? Uh, yeah, and so you would, and so you never knew, uh, the person who was logging on to your BBS, you never knew how fast they were gonna go. And you really, what you wanted as a BBS owner was to, you wanted people that had faster modems. They could transfer information quicker, and what that meant was they would tie up your phone lines less because yep. all the people that had BBSs, they were usually running this out of pocket on their own home phone. They may have a separate line. Very rarely did you see a BBS with multiple lines in the old days, but there were some bigger BBSs that had would have two or three or four phone lines running into yep. them, which opened up a lot of possibilities, which I'll get to. So file transfer was a thing. Now, like I said, one of the things I used to download a lot was like uh, hacker stuff. Stuff on uh, freaking, phone freaking, and a lot of stuff on, like, uh, uh, Anarchist Cookbook, you know, doing all sorts of evil stuff, like making pipe bombs and uh, all the like, so, you know, stuff that would... It's funny, that back in those days, no one gave a crap. Yeah. this is a different world. You'd be double killed now for doing that stuff. Uh, And even making your own drugs and stuff. They had all kinds... I mean, you never tried this stuff if you were smart, but it was there. Yeah. And you didn't know who wrote this either, so it could be, like, who knows? Uh, But... Aside from file transfers and messages, the other big draw to uh, BBSs was door games. Yep. Now, door what doors were were the ability to run like sort of like separate programs that would run on the BBS you were on. <clears throat> and they were all the most of the ones I saw were 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 games. And these door games were simple uh, uh, games that were based uh, entirely almost on text with some what are called ANSI graphics. So this sort of it was this uh, a graphic standard that was basically made up of like various different type uh, colored uh, blocks you know like cursor blocks uh, and so what you got there was this sort of chunky art style that some people uh, were so good at it was unbelievable I mean, yeah some people were incredibly talented and, and anti art really came a long way uh, it, there was none of it at first and then slowly it crept in and eventually it was everything had the anti-art and all the bbs
1: had these really awesome logos and whatnot didn't they and it was it was uh anti-art is is still a somewhat practiced art form mm-hmm. but back in its heyday uh really watching it grow up yeah I'm <laughs> I'm... was something to behold mm-hmm. right. and something to mention here before we get a lot farther for people who don't didn't use B- bbs's and don't maybe don't understand them specifically when you logged into a bbs It was that person's BBS. That person's BBS didn't talk to someone else's BBS. You logged into their world. It was like going to a website uh, today where there were thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of BBSs worldwide. Yeah. But they weren't connected. Well, so, eventually
0: they—they they, you had something like a FidoNet or something where right. they would exchange email, the but line. it wasn't like the internet. I mean, you're right; these were separate. These are entirely separate entities unto themselves. Yeah. And
1: what that meant was, you might play a game on one BBS and then go to a different BBS and play that exact same game, but it's a—you're it's, starting over. It's a whole different right. game. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. And that was definitely something people did was try to find games on different BBSs that had, were at different levels in the game or, you know, so they could take more turns, but we'll get into that a little bit more later. Sure. Uh, now,
0: you're probably thinking, when did this all this begin? Now, as far as I can remember, the first BBS came online, I think it was in Chicago. It was at right around 1978, okay? And now, Door Games... Uh, the, uh, Sort of had they came from actual p- games that were made back in the day at college, and so the line they, they got, mo- got moved up yeah. basically into door games. And so the uh, early eighties to mid eighties is when you started seeing these things, and they really had a they really got better and better and better, and they matured into some really uh, very slick games in the mid eighties up into the early nineties. The funny thing about BBS games, as with BBS, is so with their games. And by the time uh, the late 90s rolled around, that scene was literally went from uh, going strong to being completely gone. I mean, if the internet killed it dead, dead as Caesar. Now, I don't know when you stopped using uh, <clears throat> BBSs, but did you use them uh, when you were not here? Did you use them when you were at college or anything? No,
1: absolutely not. Uh, I think when we got Earthlink, which was our gateway to the internet, uh, that was the end of BBSing for me. Because yeah. they had not the same, but equivalent games uh, in chat rooms. Like, I remember going to Palace uh, was yeah. a graphical chat room that would sometimes have games, uh, so, sort of like BBS door games. Yeah. And that's what I transitioned into.
0: And even, like, um, one of the things that helped launch AOL into uh, uh, and a lot of the online services, they had their own separate games yeah. that you could play there, uh, that were effectively board games, and so. And, but they were very popular. And what AOL and uh, uh, a Compuserve, Compuserve is another one had these games that early on. Is that you could actually play with a lot of people simultaneously?
1: Yeah, those and were I, when <clears throat> those were uh, more muds than. Door yeah, games. and we should
0: talk about muds. Uh, I had a good buddy, the Chud. Everyone knows the Chud. He was a the Chud was a mudder, and he would play these games like you were going out of style. I believe the one he played was a vampire game, uh, but mud games, multi-user dungeons. Now these would be these. Do uh,
1: you want to talk about? A little, you played a little bit more in this stuff than I did. Well, muds were essentially door games, but on a grander scale. Yeah. Um, a lot of times there were. Uh, uh, a faster-paced interaction, I guess. It was uh, less about. I mean, there were still some of them were still turn-based, but most of them weren't. Most of them were just let you pretty much go and do whatever you're going to do, and the grind was sort of the same. You'd go out and get experience and level up. But uh, muds focused a lot on player interaction, uh, which I mean, door games did too. Yeah. Muds are really just. I I don't want to say more in depth. But more expansive, maybe they were. They when of course muds were around the whole time. Yeah, they were. You know, they were door games and muds were hand, were hand right, in hand. Yeah.
0: So, but when you think multi-user dungeon, that what you've got there is just a lot of people. It's usually combative. Yeah. And you're in there, which door games are a lot like that too. But they're they're muds sort of a special thing. We should probably do a mud show on muds sometimes. So we we can league? do an exclusive mud show. Now, we both played a lot of BBS games. Yeah. So I thought before we got into our individual games, I'd go. I just ran over some of the uh, some of the games that actually were deemed popular by the good folks over at the WIC. because I'd heard of a lot of these games over at Wiki. So I, I just grabbed some here, and I thought we'd talk about it. So, do you remember playing uh, Legend of the Red Dragon? If yes. You're, if you're watching. Our our video feed here. The the background of this is the is the opening screen from that door game. You said what did there was that one that you enjoyed? It was
1: not one that I played a ton of, yeah. but I I did dabble in it because it was a fantasy realm thing.
0: Yeah yeah. All right now, what about a game? Called, now I remember playing this quite a bit. A game called Netrunner. I didn't play that. Now Netrunner Runner was a game. It was a uh, cyber. If you're game, a right? if you're a William uh, Gibson uh, neuromancer, aficionado, uh, uh, like I and I love. I love that stuff, you know. Uh, this was a game where you were, you were your object was to break into computer systems and steal money and get past their ICE, which are which were their uh, countermeasures. You know, um, sort of like I'm trying to think what movie would be that you could compare this. They've really haven't Blade done Blade Runner ish. Yeah, well, no, not really. Uh, it, it, unfortunately, Neuromancer, the, the fine book that it was, where where about a hacker that would get into these like uh, virtual computer worlds and break away their, their security to infiltrate their secrets. It really hasn't been done uh, in the cinema. I'm always surprised that Neuromancer never got made as a, as, a, as a film. But it was like a game sort of based like that. It was a lot of fun uh, to play that one. Um, another one, Brent, that we pr- both uh, played was Solar Realms and Solar yes. Realms Elite. Now talk a little bit about
1: that one. Oh, I... <laughs> The specifics of that one, I, I always mix up with Trade Wars. If they have similarities. And having recently, you know, re-experienced Trade Wars, uh, I I could not separate the two. I honestly can't. Solar it's War- just been too long. It was
0: just a game where multiple players battled for a, for a game domination. It was sort of like that, amassing forces and whatnot. Right. It, it was very similar to a Trade Wars. But we played the crap out of this. Uh, like Brent said, different BBSs had different... Uh, games. And some games were a ho- super hot on that BBS and then you'd go to another BBS and no one was playing it. It yeah. was very strange, wasn't it? Because people would make a decision which BBS they were going to get into. We've mentioned this before on uh, when we did that BBS talk and inserted this too. But we were all obsessed with, with Solar Rubs Elite to the point where we would... It, when you play these games often, you'll have a set amount of turns that you can take care of in a, in a, in a 24-hour period. And the reason for that was they didn't want to sucker hanging and banging on the BBS all day without actually uh, getting off li- off the phone line. Yeah, And so you'd have a set amount of turns. On Solar Realms, on one particular board, I don't know if this was every board, but if you got if you logged on to their BBS exactly at midnight, you could actually get a, a bonus set of turns, effectively. Yeah. And so we always would try to, try to get that midnight grab and often uh, doing some real evil stuff. And like I said, I, as I mentioned at one time, Including and not limited to having the operator break it on someone's line because <laughs> it tell them it's an emergency to knock them off the off the line. A lot of people had what what was called call waiting back in those days, and when if you had call waiting and, uh, and you were on a BBS, it would knock you off because it would make a series of tones that would confuse the computer. And if you you could turn it off, but a lot of people didn't. So that was something else people used to do is try to knock each other offline. Yeah. It was a cutthroat business. I like the fact <laughs> that the real world and the and the other world have came together.
1: Uh, what about Pimp Wars? Did you ever play that one? I think that was a offshoot of Drug Wars. I think you're right. Uh, and I, I played Drug Wars quite a bit. Well, okay. I played Drug Wars more than most of the other ones. How's that? Yeah. So, uh, and Drug Wars was all about, you know, it was a GTA-style game where uh, it, Focused on buying and selling drugs. I never thought of it like that—a GTA-style board
0: or DOS or a BBS game.
1: Uh, and then you know you could sleep around in drug wars. Uh, uh, it, it was more of the seedy underworld bit of, of board games. right? Um, a few of these I've not heard of. Maybe you have. Uh,
0: did you ever? Did you, and this was apparently a pretty popular game, The Pit. Did you ever play that one?
1: I don't recall. This the was a pit.
0: gladiatorial games uh, door mm. that you would play in. What about Operation Overkill? Nope. No, that didn't that, ring a bell to you. And the
1: thing about these is, some of these games might have been, like you said before, uber popular. Uh, you know, one phone number to the left, but we since we didn't maybe even didn't even know about that BBS or that BBS was long distance to call. Yeah. Uh, you know, that really limited your access. Yeah, and access. it's
0: funny. You would there were door games I'd never heard of before that would just show up on. Like I said, there was a pro wrestling one on Guy in the States BBS. And I never saw it anywhere else. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and I was like, wow, this is, uh, is nutty." It was kind of fun. And the sysops, the folks that ran these BBSs, would go and gather these games. I, you know, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And any time a new game would come out, uh, I remember they would make a big deal about it. Or when a game would reset, that was a huge deal. And that's when, basically, uh, folks in the game have become so powerful or have reached a power level so high that it's unfair for everyone else, and they'll yeah. say, "Look, at, at X amount of time, we're resetting the game." Yeah, and, and, so, it and would, that did
0: happen. And it would tick
1: off some people, you know, who had played a long time and got this huge character, but everyone else was real excited because everyone was going to go back to zero. Yeah, that uh, was a
0: big deal. Something else that would occasionally happen is the BBS would crash, or the hard drive would be gone, and you yeah, would, so these things were that definitely they had issues that you couldn't, uh, 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 you know, circumvent. If the SysOps if the hard drive went down, you were boned. Uh, or, you know, if, at least the BBSs that were running off a hard drive, that, which that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, a couple more I want to touch on real quick were uh, VGA Planets. Now, I saw this pop up on the list. Now, VGA Planets is a, is a game that I played offline. I never knew this was a Dora game, so really? I found that kind of interesting. And it was a it was a sequel to EGA planets, by the way. In case Which you're
1: I, I've actually not played that, <laughs> so that's
0: that's another good one. So, but we used to have a lot of we used to have a lot of fun with DBS door games. So it's I will say it's nice. It helps in a category like this to have some experience yeah. ha- having played them. So, um, I want to mention that our we had a, a a big helper this week. Yes, and I want to talk absolutely. about him. We, I got an email uh, a while back from the Sysop of the Convolution. Uh, BBS, which I believe he's in chat right now. Yes. Uh, and we used his, we used the uh, convolution BBS to uh, log in, and he's got a incredible, uh, ridiculous amount of door games on there. He is uh, sort of an online museum of door games. He's a real nice fellow, and I will uh, uh, give you his information at the bottom of the in video. The description but below. if you're interested in having a look at it, just uh, why I've got you on here, if you go to uh, convolution.us, that's C-O-N-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N.us. You could also telnet to that same address, uh, and you can get right in. Uh, it's, he's got uh, open enrollment. Uh, you can log right in and sign up immediately. Hey, I'm on there, uh, uh, and so is the Brent. Uh, I'm Amigo Aaron, I think on there. Brent's A-R-G Brent, I believe, uh, and so you can see me stomping his scores because I will probably keep my Trade Wars game going since I've started and also i found a great plan at the other day so there you go so we again big big thanks to uh, him a uh, real nice fellow. his name is jonathan and we appreciate you uh letting us hang and bang on the convolution good very good bbs and you'd be surprised there's a quite a few bbs's that are you know back in action that you can use the telnet to yeah uh, and, and it works out great so uh, there you go and telnet uh, you probably don't know this a lot of people don't know this it's still in windows if you go to the add or move programs and you yep, know, you can turn you it, gotta add,
1: it back, add it back in. Yeah.
0: So, with all that said, Brent, <laughs> let's go ahead and kick it off. Now, you picked a game this week, and I'll, I'll be honest with you; I had, not, had never played this one. Yep. And I'm, did you have, have you played this before? No,
1: I, I went in and I, I to the BB or to the Tellnet to the where you just talked about and, and looked at their list of games, the popular games, and I saw Food Fight. And I said, "Food Fight? I've never even played that." Mm-hmm. And I thought. That is very odd subject matter for something where these games were usually more adult oriented and I don't mean that as in 18 plus, I mean that as into it was mostly war and fighting and death and killing and that sort of stuff so I thought I'm going to take a look at Food Fight to see if it was something different and it was a completely different theme from anything I had played before. Uh, Foo Fight had originally came out in 1987, um, and of course, as with all these door games, uh, they kind of grow and evolve and have bug fixes, <clears throat> and this one had that treatment up into the mid-90s. Uh, somewhere between 92 and 95, the, the update stopped, but that's a long time for something like this to be continuously updated, uh, Tabling with the code from the back. And this is a whole the whole game is you're in a cafeteria at an elementary school <laughs> and you're starting a food fight to try to get uh, your pennies that is what they use for money uh, from your fellow students and if you got caught by the teacher or the principal or something they drag you out of the classroom and you'd have to game over yeah so, how do you make this interesting? Well, you do it a few different ways. And this does sort of follow the formula of most door games. Um, but it's, it's very simplified. Which I, I was happy for. I was very happy for. You have a few choices when you start out. You can get into a food fight with a random NPC. And that's how you kind of grind your levels. You can choose someone else in the cafeteria by name and throw food at them. Uh, You can gamble your pennies to try to get more pennies. And the reason why you do that is with your pennies, you can buy uh, more messy food. And you can buy clothing that hides food stains better. So you get up here and you uh, start your food fight. And you pick an NPC. And you're throwing food at them. And it tells you how messy, how many stains the other person's getting. And stains are basically your hit points. So you're throwing food, you're throwing food, and you have to decide whether you want to, you know, run away or if you want to keep fighting. And eventually you you beat them. And they either get hauled off to the principal if they don't give up, uh, or if they run away, they drop some of their pennies and run away, but they're still alive. So you gather up their pennies, and the... The thing I recommend doing, go and wash your clothes. Yes. <clears throat> so you go and you wash all your clothes, and that costs money, but uh, uh, it allows you to have more hit points. It's basically refilling your hit points. And you keep doing this until you can buy new equipment, new food, uh, to challenge people ha- that are higher on the leaderboard. And you have rankings which you know show how... Uh, dominant you are in the cafeteria. Uh, And there's a fair amount of food and uh, clothing to buy to level up your character. It's a simple door game, but it's in that simplicity that anyone can really pick it up. This is a great My First Door Game game because it's easy to understand, and uh, uh, it's fun to go in there and grind for a little bit. Did you get the same experience from it? Well... It is it is a simple game yeah. uh, compared to like the one I'll be talking about, but
0: uh, uh, I was able to move up the rankings quite quickly. Haven't played it; it's wacky. These are the kind of wacky things that would just turn up. Yep. I mean it's exactly what you would expect, uh, and uh, um, I, I, I I thought it was okay. Like I mean it was simple, you know, uh, and I was able to. The the one that I got caught with the teacher a lot and got kicked out. I did. Did you did you try the gambling at all?
1: I did. You, know, I, you might want to talk about that a little bit. Well, that was cool. I, I lost a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was the same way. And the way uh, door games work is uh, a lot of the good ones, and this is uh, on that list, will allow the sysop to change elements of the game to make it unique to their BBS, so you can. Change the name of the f- the names of the foods, <clears throat> and really that allows you to localize it too if you yeah. wanted to. That was something that was kind of that was kind of neat back in the day. You would see that sometimes people would go in there and mess around with the code, right? Or whatever, yeah. Uh, and you can change the name of the clothing. <clears throat> you can change the type of NPCs you're fighting. Like in this one, you're fighting uh, like line cooks or uh, hall monitors folks like that that you would find in an elementary school that kind of makes sense that you would be food fighting with in a cafeteria. Uh, But being able to go in and make those changes kind of keeps it fresh. And another thing you can change is all the odds, uh, how often you can win in a gamble, uh, how much damage or how many stains a food might give. Uh, So I think you start out throwing, what, grapes? And, you know... A grape only causes between, like, uh, one and five stains. Well, if the Sysop wanted it to be a more high-powered game or to give little guys more of a fighting chance, they could go in and change that to where grapes might do, you know, three to seven stains, which will allow you to get out of that early pocket faster. So that's something, like well, we were talking about earlier, where you go to one uh, BBS, play a game, and then go to a different BBS... And even though you're playing the same game, it's a completely different game. And you, there's n- no part of gaming, uh, outside of maybe mods, that you can compare that to in modern day. Yeah. So, you know, still,
0: all that said, this game, it was okay. It was, it, it didn't do it for me. If, what, it was okay.
1: I'm not going to say, if you're a seasoned BBSer, run out and play Food Flight. Because that's not, in my opinion, that's not what Food Fight's for. Food Fight is, if you are hearing about BBS door games for the first time, maybe this maybe this episode is like, I want to go check this out. Play some Food Fight. You can pick it up. You can know exactly what's going on uh, in 10 minutes. Um, and it will allow you to transition into more complicated games easier. Because... Yeah. The flow is always the same, that you, you do a keyboard stroke that gives you an action that makes text appear on the screen and something happens. But, <laughs> that's, that
0: sums up a lot of things. But here's
1: the thing, if you've never done that before, that's complicated and it, it's weird and it might not be familiar to you. In the context of like uh, Trade Wars or Red Dragon, that's a lot to take in, but Food Fight really condenses it down to its basic components, and this is a great starter game. It's a great starter game. I like
0: the fact that there were some like built-in guys you could fight uh, before th- that weren't members of the actual BBS. Uh, I-, I believe I fought Cookie Monster and a couple other yeah. things that were built in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was able to uh, instantly crush my first couple opponents, and I, I passed, I passed ARG Brent rather quickly. Well, <clears throat> and I moved up to third place uh, on this. But I, admittedly, this this the particular game hasn't got a lot of play in say the past seven years. But uh, I was now I will say the top three places, the top two places are that, that are way 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 up there. Yeah, you were really that to work. Uh, for so it. I'll have to work hard to beat past you on the past those. But I crush I crush right past you, no problem.
1: And something well, I want to mention on this, uh, I played all of this on my phone through a web browser. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm not saying that's the best way to play it, because you have to use their simulated keyboard, yeah. and uh, uh, it definitely slows down the whole process. <clears throat> but it's doable, and it's something that you can play two or three turns, put it in your pocket, be done with it yeah. um, on the go. So that's a that's a new way to experience these door games. Yeah, the
0: irony of it is we used computers and telephones to dial up BBSs uh, in the (laughs) 80s, and now we're actually using the phone to dial up and play the
1: the game. We need someone to run the BBS off a phone, and we'll be laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So, that is... I mean, that's a quick description of Food Fight, but that's because that's what it is. Uh, A few things to mention. This game did get a sequel, Food Fight 2. It's a a bit more colorful, with a bit more stuff going on. I, I just barely dabbled into it but it's still the same concept of you're in an elementary school and uh you're throwing food at other people this is a wacky concept i
0: should mention that the fact that you're somehow getting money from people by throwing food at them and and
1: and all this it's all it's incredibly wacky oh well, i like it because when they when they get taken away the teacher grabs them and jars them and the pennies fall out of yeah. their pocket um
0: you think that the the person that was getting caked in food would not be the one the teacher the teacher manhandled? She'd be manhandled <laughs> the one that threw the food. Nope,
1: no, nope, because they, they the it actually covers that in the story. It says that if you're clean, then the teacher thinks you're not involved. So that's why you have to stay clean looking. That's why if you get too many stains on you, you get taken away. So it actually does cover that. Um, last thing about food flight before we go. Uh, I was browsing around and found a DOS version of this game. Oh, yeah? Um, I didn't get to play it. I only saw it in just brief passing. Uh, And I'm assuming it is just a standalone version of this that someone, you know, ported into DOS. Not like it would be difficult, I don't believe. Uh, But, yeah, I thought that was kind of keen.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting game. So, we'll move along now. when BBS door games are talked about, one game is talked about in hushed tones. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah. The number one door game of all time. Now, I will say, I played a lot of Solar Realms Elite back in the day, but this is the game that, that kicked it off for me, and this is the King Dong of door games, and I'm referring to Trade Wars 2002. Yeah. 2002. Now, uh, the, the history of the trade wars is uh, long and uh, colorful in a cert- to a certain degree and the lineage of this game is it can be traced back into the 70s um, there was a, the there was a game named trade wars it was a basic game on a believe it or not it's sort of like we just covered a trs 80 mm-hmm. uh, aka the system 80 the Dick Smith system 80 we covered. Uh Super this 80. this game was from way back and it was even based on a, a, theoretically a lot of this stuff is speculative but Trade Wars that came out in the 8 in 84 was actually sort of based on a game a basic program called Star Trader that was even further back all right so this is we're talking way back in it's the got, 70s Yeah it's okay? got history so it has history for um, sure the fellow that created the original Trade Wars and by that name was a fellow named Chris Shurik Okay? Uh, Shurik uh, uh, gave this, a, it was an open license on this thing, so it immediately got messed with, and got and it got ported to a BBS, and it appeared on the No Change BBS System in 84. And so a lot of games came from the original Trade Wars, which, including, and I've heard, played a couple of these, one called Galactic Armageddon, which I didn't play, the other one called Yankee Trader. I have played that one, Yankee Trader. These are spinoff games that sort of uh, took the, uh, the code and concept of the original trade wars and just did some other stuff with them yeah <clears throat> um, we're gonna talk about what I consider the apex part of the trade wars uh, name which would be trade wars 2002 now this game uh, debuted in 86
1: yes uh, so. not 2002 like right. you might think
0: <laughs> so keep in mind that trade wars was around before this the original trade wars which mm. I had played the original and then this one the view. Well, this one upped the ante significantly. Okay. This one was done by a fellow named Gary uh, Martin and John Pritchett. And what they did was, it's funny, the story I read on this was Trade Wars, a lot of people switched over to a uh, a, a different sort of BBS and, it, and the different BBS would not support the original tra- Trade Wars. It was on a different code. Yep. And so I believe it was WWIV, which I, actually, I, WWIV was a great BBS uh, back in the day, that I was it was probably my favorite one to get on. That's something we should have mentioned, but the BBS's were not all the same. No, they were totally different, and you had all kinds of different pr- people running different programs. and WWIV was the one I liked the most, uh, but anyway. <clears throat> so, these guys ported over at Trade Wars, and boy, did they go crazy on the additions. Yeah, uh, one of the reasons it got uh, jacked up to the nine so much was that one of the guys in it was guess what. He was a games master for a game called Traveler, which is a, a, a role-playing game. Uh, I believe it's a, a space role-playing game. Mm. Uh, I, and uh, he added a bunch of like additional flavory goodness to this <clears throat> that takes Trade Wars 2002 from being just a straight up uh, uh, march around the universe to like add a lot of color to it. Right. So what is Trade Wars 2002? Uh, you begin as a basically a space captain of a small ship, and you are given a small amount of money and a ship. I believe has twenty hulls, yeah. And I believe you get seventy fighters. I think's what you start off with. And you are it's your tasked, and that
1: number is adjustable depending on your BBS. Yeah, you
0: you're tasked with traveling the universe to make your lot effectively. And so what you'll do is uh, you'll type in sector numbers, uh, and when you go to that sector, there could be a uh, there could be a planet there there. Not often, but occasionally there could be a port there. Much more often, and occasionally there could be like a star base there. Yeah. And what you do at this point, most of the time you're going to see ports. You and of course this is all this is all t- uh, text, you know, for the most part. But what you're going to do is dock at the port. <clears throat> you're going to buy goods, and you're going to haggle for the price of these goods, yep. which is part of the game. And if you do a good job of haggling, you'll get a couple experience points. And then you're going to the goal of this is to take these goods, travel to another port, and sell them for a better price. Yeah. That's the backbone of trade wars. That never changed uh, up through there. Now, that in in itself is would be lame, wouldn't it? So what... No, that's not good enough. Uh, uh, What you need to make this spicier is you need some enemies. You need some alliances, corporations. You need uh, aliens of all sorts. And so... Sprinkled throughout this incredibly huge universe are, uh, aside from enemies, you're also going to have other players. You're going to have mercenaries flying around. You get all kinds of crazy stuff that you've got to
1: deal with. So asteroids, <coughs> aliens. It's not just, it's not just uh, uh, combatant things. You might just run across space, space debris as you're jumping around and run into it and damage your ship. I, don't, I never did that. Yeah, it happens. Already, oh, haven't yeah. you? Asteroids. So, once
0: you've got your goods, you travel to another planet, you you dock and you sell your goods, and you haggle for the price, and you'll buy some more goods and travel around. You can play the whole game just like that. Yep. But what makes the game more fun is the ability to take the money you earn and buy upgrades. You can buy ship scanners, short and long-range scanners. You can uh, buy shields. You can buy new ships that have more hulls, that are more... Combat ready that are that are catering to your play style. Hold bigger fighters <clears throat> or missiles where you don't need fighters. You also have alignments. Are you are you with the feds or are you against them? You, do your alignment goes one way or another depending on what you do. Uh, so there's a lot to to the game outside of the uh, uh, just the st- standard trading mechanism. You've also got uh, the ability to occasionally you'll come across a planet. Uh, the planet may or may not be guarded. Uh, often there' you know sometimes you get lucky and when you get lucky and find a planet there and there's no one there uh, you're, you're in business because any of the goods these plants will generate goods and and colonists and fighters on their own that you can just take whatever you want you just take them uh, and you can like what I of course I'm, the game I was playing on convolution again it hadn't been played for a while so I was able to go around to a lot of the plants I found using my scanner and just grab ownership of the planet for my corporation, the, the uh, Amigos Retro Gaming uh, conglomerate that I've built, and I went around and I would take these plants and take all their goods and you can instantly make a lot of money just by going back and forth and selling that stuff. So that's great. And so that's always a lot of fun. You can also go to these star bases and then you open up a whole different section of the, of the game where you can do your ship upgrades where you can do uh, uh, upgrades to your uh, corporate. You can do corporate stuff on these places. You can do, there's a bank. Yep. And the thing I like, there's, there's also always a bar. And the bar, you can go in and you can hear rumors. Uh, you can also uh, go you can I went in. You can change the, be- the message that plays when you go into the bar. So I, I, I put a lot of, of uh, Amigos graffiti and, and ARG graffiti in the bar. And if you're too poor to pay the 100 credits to do that, you can always go into the bathroom and just sprawl a message on the wall which I thought was good. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, uh, also, I should mention that there are Ferengi that travel the the galaxy. Now, if you recall, the Ferengi were the bad guys in the Star Trek the Next Generation. And these guys, well, uh, they're effectively jerk aliens that will yeah. come up and hose you. And now, when so, there is combat in this. Uh, you will secure, uh, you'll pick the amount of fighters you want to go after somebody with, and, and depending on the size of their fleet, And if you win, you'll capture fighters, and you'll and you'll capture money, and you'll you'll get experience points. The experience points go to lifting up your ranking. Yep. You know, it's all uh, there's a it's a deep, uh, deep hole when you go in this. There's a lot to do uh, that you wouldn't even consider uh, in terms of uh, if you have a good. When we played this back in the day, you'd have hundreds of people playing, and so you would have uh, huge corporations made up of. Five or ten people each that were going to battle. Yeah, you know, and they, you know, and you'd have to go in and help them. Uh, This game was a single-player experience for uh, a long time. I believe it was in '92 they opened up the ability to have multiple live lines into this game. And what that meant is you would have, and this I actually got to play with it like this. uh, You would have multiple players playing at once on the site. In actual combat, yeah, real time, which was really cool, you know, to do that, uh, and, and so that was always a lot of fun. Uh, I just saw this pop up. I forgot to mention there's there's a game in this universe called Tricon. It's a it's a gambling game that you can go play at the bars, and it's a it's a unique game. You pick three random numbers appear, and you you have to pick which number you want in which slot. So so you'll say, okay, here's your first number. Where do you want it? I'll put it in the third slot. Okay, it's a nine. Wait, well, here's your second number. What slot are you gonna put in the first? Okay, it's a one, and then the second might be a six. You got one sixty-nine. It's random, but it makes you sort of feel like you're doing something. <laughs> and you play ten rounds, and you try to have a better score than the computer. It's and you gamble with it. It's pretty fun. I like the, I like the gambling elements. There are some role playing elements in this that you would that were pretty foreign to most uh, online BBS games, uh, including just randomly. Like I was just I was coming out of the bar last or two nights ago, and I got. Uh, smacked in the back of the head, they took a big chunk of my money. <laughs> yeah, know, at like random that. events. Stuff like that, uh, which I thought was funny. Now, something else that the Trey Wars 2002 guys added were occasional, beautiful, antsy graphics to yes. go along with their game, Which,
1: you will have no idea how much that helps a game.
0: Well, it was at the time, it was a real unique and different twist. Yeah.
1: On how the game
0: how the game looked, and it gave the game some extra oomph, you know, uh, to, when you when you logged in to play it, you, especially because like for example, when you logged it went to a star base, the picture of the star base would come up, and the menu would have the base in the background. It was real slick looking. It was. Now you, I know you played this back in the day, and, what, yeah. and you went back to it this week. What what were your thoughts?
1: Well, there's a few things that you that you didn't mention. <clears throat> uh, your haul, when you're you're basically start out as a trader ship, right? Um, and you can actually increase your hull size, and each ship has its own maximum hull size. And some ships are definitely geared more towards battle. That They might not only have, you know, 10 hull.
0: I think the first ship, you can expand it, can't you? It can, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, how far yeah. can it go? I think
1: it's like 75. Okay.
0: Um, but you... I usually ditch it pretty quick.
1: When you get into the game, and you start, uh, and you have your planet that, if you have people, you can make them mine resources. You put in a number, and you basically just put in a random number, because the star map, it, it, even though you use numbers and to, coordinates to, to fly around, one isn't next to two. It might go right. one, 430, 69, 12, you know, so you can't logically plan something out. So you just put in a random number, and it flies you through so many uh, segments to get to that number. You might say I'm at segment 100. I want to fly to segment 650. So you start at 100, and then you go to 389, and then you go to 214, then yeah. you go to 11, and then you end up to where you were going. I always wonder if you could map this out right, I, I in I don't some think, way. I, I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, sure. theoretically could, but there's. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're talking you're sector 1946, 1900, 19,482. I mean, you're talking tens
1: of thousands. Ten thousands. Of sectors, yeah. There's, yeah. And As you travel along your path, different things happen. You might find star bases. You might find planets. You might run into debris. Uh, And if it's a good uh, segment, it will actually change the color on your uh, text. So, like, if you run into debris, like an asteroid field, right, it will actually make those numbers from now on come up in red so that you know if you're flying... Don't go there. Don't, if you type yeah. in that segment, it's like, no, no, you you know, you've already been there. You've discovered that it's an asteroid field. If you go there, your ship's just gonna get These
0: hurt. are, these are, by the way, as I should mention that these changes were made after trade wars because in the original trade wars, I don't even think you had the ability to warp straight. Like in this, you can say, like Brent said, if you want to go to sector one, you type it in, it says, okay, it's gonna be X amount of jumps to get there. And then you could pick, okay, go there immediately or go there uh, incrementally so you can see if there's something you want to stop on the way. I don't think the original you could do that. I think you just basically had to, <laughs> to try to find your way back. I don't remember having trouble getting around. And this was a lot easier. I had to say playing it this time around, it being an older, I found getting around a lot easier. And, and, and if you had, what I used to do is have a pad of paper beside me, and I would write down sectors that had stuff in that I, w- that I w- really wanted to know about, like uh, planets, and, and where I, or if I built a base. You can even make your own planets if you oh, have a Genesis yeah. torpedo, like in Star Trek yeah. 2. And... I would write those down, and now you could literally write those down and just go right to them, pr- provided you uh, could get there without running into a bunch of trouble. Or something else that can happen is you can be intercepted by aliens or whatnot. Yeah.
1: And here's the other thing that each starship, there's three resources in the game. Each starship or starbase, I should say, buys and sells that stuff for different things for different amounts. You might get lucky and find one star port selling fuel for 10 and the star port right beside it buys fuel for like 500 yeah and you can just bounce back and forth in between those two ports you know it's if it's a short jump there's nothing no danger in between it uh, just bounce back and forth eventually the prices do start to level out so, you can't do it infinitely, but you can make a lot of money that
0: way. It's funny in a, in a game that has so few people, like if you come in early, like those prices take forever to do that, and you can really go to work on those. You know, a lot of, there's tons of places you can make money.
1: But it's all about the Trade Wars is exploration, as really no other, in my opinion, door game that I've ever played does it. It makes you want to find those places. So that you can bounce back and forth to make that money. And then you have to find starports to upgrade your ship. You know, There, there are a few starports that generally... And this, again, can be changed by the Sysop. Usually, uh, uh, Segment 1000 is sort of like a safety zone. It's Federation space. It usually has a starport. It usually has ship upgrades. But everything's limited. There's never a time when you can just have, un- like, I'm going to buy unlimited haul spaces. You can't do that. You have to go explore, find where they're selling them, and then buy them. Same thing with fighters for your ship. When you send your fighters out and some of them get <coughs> blown up, you don't just get them back. You have to go somewhere and find them and, and get them into your crew. Yeah. I'll uh, ex- leave a lot of
0: colonists on a planet and let them stick them in there to do that. Right.
1: Yeah. Ex- and you can get colonists take them to a planet, and mine your own resources. Yeah. So instead of having to buy them to sell them, you are producing them. The game is huge and expansive. Yeah. And it really... This is one that if, you, if you've if you played door games and you haven't played this, I, I don't believe that's possible, first of all. Yeah. But if you are that 1%, go play this game, you will appreciate it so much. Uh, the modern-day equivalent to... Uh, Trade Wars is uh, Elite.
0: Yeah. Elite is it, <clears throat> elite is a graphical rendition of Trade Wars in a lot of
1: ways. Yes. And even the most uh, recent Elite Dangerous has all of these elements where you, uh, you know, jump from planet to planet, buy and sell resources, or you can produce your own resources through mining. Yeah. Uh, so that tells you that the base concept is so sound that we're still playing it, you know, 30 years later.
0: Yeah, it was funny how easily I slipped back into this, to yeah. be honest with you. You would think, I'm telling you, now I'm as bad as anybody. Look at these, like, oh, there's a bunch of text scrolling by, it's this is crap. But it, it, it was a lot of fun, and what I would love to do is get into one of these where it's a real active scene. Now, uh, I will say, doing a little research on this thing, um, <clears throat> believe it or not, this, this game is still being refined to this day. Uh, there's huh. a lot of people, and in '97, it was a DOS standalone version that's released that, that was that was just out to to uh, play, you know, on your own machine. And then eventually, in uh, I believe in '98, they released a, a basically Trade Wars game server edition where you could run your own servers of this uh, for uh, for you know online play uh, via that. And now there are places that I know there are plenty of places online that run their own Trade Wars variant games. Uh, this was even licensed for a game. I don't know if this ever came out. It was it was called uh, Trade Wars: Dark Millennium from R- Realm Interactive. Do you remember? Have you heard anything about that one? Mm-mm. Uh, this was a game that was in the early 2000s. This was something that was being batted around because I read something a diary from the guy that did Trade Wars. He was talking about signing a licensing agreement. So you could, you, there's still plenty of opportunities to get your Trade Wars 2002 game one. And if you uh, feel froggy. Come over the convolution BBS. I would love to get a bunch of people in there to play because it's this is one game that is more fun with more actual human players. I agree. The excitement of coming across someone's fleet, like you're. I remember this back in the day. You're hunting other players after you get so powerful. Yeah. And when you come across their fleet and they're just hanging out and you and you look at your fighter count and you look at theirs, you're like I, you could take these. I mean, in one night you could log on and you could have your you could be gone. Your whole score is gone. Because someone came in and smashed you and took all your stuff, and that's the game. It's not like you felt like you got ripped off. That's the way it is. You got to put yourself in a, you got to park yourself in a dead end sector or with a, Federation space with, with, a, with a with a big ton of with a ton of guys. You can even take on the Fed if you're big enough in, yep. in this game. So it's it's got a lot of awesome awesome uh, possibilities. So if you haven't tried trade wars, I would give that one a shot. I think it's top shelf. Yep. You know what else is top shelf, Brent? What's that? It's the wheel, brother. Let's oh. fire that sucker up. So,
1: Brent, what did we add this week, my friend? We added another one for the Thanksgiving. The uh, Sorn S- uh, M5. Yes, we so had a lot of fun playing this, didn't we? This was uh, something we had a pie piece for Thanksgiving, and we said we're going to come back and look at it. It's on the wheel. We're going to try to get it right now. All right, go. For I her. would. I'd kind of don't like it. You have to p- pick that specific one. This is teamwork
0: right here. <laughs> look at that. Our heads are sideways. Oh, oh, All right, what oh. do we get, Brent? Have a look. Let me see here. The winner is. Oh boy, here we go. The Epoch Super Cassette Vision, Brent. The wow. Now you added this to the. Uh, you. This is one of those wacky, mystery pie pieces that you added without us having any idea what it is, didn't you? Admit it. Admit <sighs> it. Yes, that's what I thought. So we don't know. I have tested the Epoch Super Cassette Vision. (laughs) Did I get that right? Yeah. Epoch Super Cassette Vision, and it is emulatable. So we're bouncing back into the realm of the bizarre. Hey, when you come up with these bizarre pie pieces, don't don't turn your head in (laughs) shame when they come up, pal. Listen, we've got a lot of fun with some of these wacky offshoots. It's it's true, and you know
1: what? We're learning them. Our community's learning them. And we're, we're growing our gaming knowledge and library together. So, I'm, you know what? I'm actually all for it. This could be That's fun. That's right. Um, look how much fun we had with the VTech during the marathon. That's right. Let's talk
0: about the marathon. If you didn't join us for the marathon, uh, I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, it was a 10-hour gaming extravaganza where me, Brent, and occasionally the boat, who joined us a little bit late, came over, and we played 10 straight hours of wheel spun action. Uh, and the pie pieces were all suggested by you, the listeners. And viewers, so we appreciate it, and we appreciate everybody showing up. We had a lot of fun, didn't we, Brent? Yeah, it was a good time. Um, of course, all of our streaming is now on Twitch, and I know some people pr- didn't know we were doing this. So uh, I am slowly releasing the hour by hour uh, segments. Actually, we're doing it spin by spin. So effectively, I've got uh, it's almost like a new show for every hour. Yeah. And so I've got uh, I've got another uh, f- five or six uh, s- episodes to go, but we're releasing. The, uh, the marathon on YouTube, so if you want to watch it, feel free to hop over there now. Uh, I think so far what we've got up is the, uh, uh, I think we've got the, uh, up to four. Yeah, we're up to the fourth fourth spin, so check it out if you get a chance. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to our good buddy Bark Bit, who does our closing music segment, and yes. to our g- good buddy The Dunk, Duncan Styles, for his uh, awesome Tron-like three-dimensional graphics of absolute doom. Yes. And once again, I want to shout out to our good buddy uh, over at the uh, Convolution BBS, our good buddy Jonathan. Again, if you want to check out his uh, BBS, and we strongly urge that you join us on there, uh, you can go to uh, http colon forward slash word slash convolution dot us. That's C-O-N-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N dot us. You can also go there with telnet colon Forward slash forward slash convolution us as well uh, in telling that you can pretty much there are also pro- specific programs you can use to t- to do telnet to stuff so it's a good time we had a lot of fun playing it out I, I will say I'm not done yet I'm going to be back doing some board some door game action probably when we
1: get off the air because I got to hey. I got to play my <laughs> game today any any parting thoughts Brentster uh you know I I had more fun with this than I thought I was and uh, it, it just reminds you just because these old uh, text door games uh, are long since gone and upgraded on. You can go back and play them and still have a lot of fun. Correct, Amundo. So,
0: we'll see next you next week for the Epoch Super Cassette Vision. And until then, open the door.